Welcome to Group Talk. Four shows, one podcast from the Small Group Network focusing on topics relevant to small group ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you're a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax, listen, and enjoy Leadership Journey with Bill Search. Well, welcome back to the Leadership Journey. I'm your host, Bill Search, and today we are privileged to have a special guest with us, Kyle Strobel. Kyle's a, a, an author, has written a recent book, Where Prayer Becomes Real, and it's a just a terrific book, a resource for leaders, small group leaders, uh, small groups. You might have uh, read something else Kyle wrote. Uh, you might also know the family name. His sister's also an author and his dad's written a couple things too. But uh, Kyle stands on his own two legs with a terrific contribution to this conversation on prayer. And so, uh, Kyle, I wanted to start with, uh, of all the things that, that uh, you could write about, <laughs> what was it about a book on prayer that really uh, caused you to put in that effort and time? Yeah, well, thanks, Bill. I, that's a that's a great question. You know, I I think with prayer, the thing that's always struck me is, and this is just how universal so many of the struggles are, and yet how isolating it tends to be. Uh, I know very few Christians who are known in their prayer life by others, hmm. and, and that's that's kind of interesting when you think about it. I mean, and so so yeah. prayer is one of those really central disciplines we give ourselves to. It's it's at the heart of our relationship with, with, with our Lord. And yet we tend to be utterly alone <laughs> in, yeah. in those moments. And, and, you know, for most of the people that I interact with and, you know, I'm a seminary professor. So some of that, that means my students, but also pastors and people in leadership. And the constant narrative I hear is as I grew in faith, as I grew in my studies, as I grew in my leadership, prayer began to diminish. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think there's so much unspoken difficulty and struggle. And so we really just wanted to unpack that in part because we think a lot of the struggle in prayer is a failure to kind of interpret the Lord's work well and to respond to the Lord's work well. And so we wanted to just shepherd people into those things in, in part because we ourselves really struggled with prayer for, for much of our Christian life. And so this isn't the kind of book from someone that that is you know, very naturally just kind of quote unquote good at prayer. You know, we, this, this comes out of our own struggles. Well, I, you know, from the very beginning of the book, uh, one of the things that captured me is this idea that, uh, it, you know, like when, when many of us start to pray, we are like, you know, I start out, dear God, thank you for, I've got to get that paint from Home Depot <laughs> if I'm going to hit that project this weekend. Oh, wait, I'm, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm praying. Uh, and thank you for, and then you start doing your to-do list. Mm-hmm. And one of the things you talked about in the early part of the book was that a, there's something to be said about a wandering mind, that mm-hmm. that a, a, a wandering mind in prayer isn't necessarily a, a bad thing. So, yeah, yeah. And, and, and what hit me was most of us don't speak of prayer and con- with confident terms because we feel like we fail in prayer. And yeah. one of the big, big, big culprits of that failure is like, well, my mind wanders. <laughs> so how is how is the wandering mind not necessarily a bad thing? How can it be actually a good thing? Yeah, yeah, this is so universal. Yeah, and it's so interesting. And this is one of those pieces where it's 
we all are experiencing it and yet no one's talking about it. <laughs> so it's like kind of elephant in the room with prayer. And, you know, I think with, with the wandering mind, you know, one of the things we see with Jesus in his ministry is when you came in contact with Jesus, you tended to come out of yourself. Mm-hmm. And you see this with the disciples all the time. And it's often very embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, whether it's Peter falling at Jesus' feet, you know, depart from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Or if it's the disciples debating with one another who's the greatest and Jesus kind of calling them out on it. Or, you know, the presence of God awakens the soul to itself. It, it kind of shows this what it really loves. And, and, and yet we're surprised that happens in prayer. And so I think one of the things that's going on in prayer is that we come into the presence of God, our soul just kind of opens to our deep loves. Here's what you care about. Here's where your concerns really are. And the temptation, I think, is I think most of us deep down, whether we would say this or not, deep down, we just believe that what God really wants is for us to pray like a good Christian should. Whatever that means. Whatever a good Christian should mean. When it instead, what the Lord wants is the truth. Hmm. And so if I go to pray and yeah, I'm, are, I'm wait, thinking, are you saying we're not supposed to lie to God in prayer? <laughs> like he can actually know what we're thinking. This is going to revolutionize everything, Kyle. <laughs> well, you know what's so funny about that's exactly it, but it's amazing how many people, if I talk to about honesty and prayer, you know what they say to me? They say it doesn't feel reverent. And I'm like, you know, the opposite of honesty is dishonesty. It's, right. not, it's not reverent. So lying to God's okay. It's re- he, he can't handle the truth. Yeah. And so there, it is, there's, there's these, these kind of things in our soul, and it's really just the flesh. Because you see this in the garden, right? In the Garden of Eden, yeah. right when yeah. sin comes into the equation, Adam now sees God as the problem to manage. Sure. So you hide from him, you cover from him, and you try to manage him with your words. And for many of us, that's what prayer is. Prayer is a time to manage God. It's time to draw close, but not too close. Not to really be seen, but to hide. And to try to use our words to kind of get God on our side of things. And the Lord's constantly saying, well, what about this? Because this is what you really care about. What about what the treasures of your heart really are? Let's talk about those things. And unfortunately, I think many of us, are convinced prayer is a place to be good rather than a place to be honest. And and I think the Wait, Lord is you, calling you, that, us into honesty here. That statement that God is a problem to be managed mm. from the garden, I mean, from the beginning, and, yeah, and that, yeah. that really hits me because I, I, I think that we do tend to approach God that way, don't we? I mean, we might use a different yeah. phraseology, but we're like, I'm going to try to maneuver God through the yeah. way I phrase things in prayer. And so in the process, though, I'm, I'm not being honest. I'm not being forthcoming. I'm not. Mm-hmm. So, so how do we, you know, what, what, what are some things we could do to take some, some steps forward? Let's just talk about us as leaders. A lot of the people who are reading this right or listening to this right now are small group leaders or mm-hmm. ministry leaders or they're pastors. And so I would venture, I guess, someone who's listening to this, they want to grow in their prayer life. So what is, what are some of the things they can do to just strip away the layers of dishonesty? Yeah, I mean, one of the things is to do what Paul actually says to do in Colossians 4, 2, which is to cultivate watchfulness in prayer. Mm. And, and one of the things that watchfulness will do is just watch what you don't think God wants you to pray about. Because mm. we all have this weird mechanisms of, uh, he doesn't want to hear that. Or sometimes we don't even realize we're doing that. We just start talking to ourselves about it. 
Mm. You know, it's funny that I, I, at no point of my early Christian life, did I ever even think, maybe I should tell God I don't want to pray. Mm. I know I don't want to pray. I just felt bad about it <laughs> and would try to kind of get myself excited about it. Why, why, why wouldn't I tell God? It's not like God is going, oh, what? <laughs> you want to pray? All this time, I thought you were just busy. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And, and, and yet there's something there that we need to really sit with. Yeah. It's, it's, well, why don't I think God wants to hear this? Mm. And this is where, you know, one of the things that really showed me this was praying the Psalms. Because when I started praying the Psalms, I started realizing all sorts of things. I'm like, I don't think God wants to hear this. And some of them, I don't think God can hear this. And yet, it's the Bible. <laughs> Evidently, he can. <laughs> Evidently, he can. And what I didn't realize about the Psalms is that it, the Psalms, in many ways, are training us how to speak to God. Bonhoeffer talked this way. It was like how, how, how parents talk to children to kind of teach the, the, the baby how to talk back. And it's God teaching us what he can hear. And it's actually showing us who he is based on what he can hear. And so for leaders, you know, I mean, the danger that a lot of lots of leaders have, and, and when I see that, and I, I think this is more of a problem with men than women, not always the case, but I see this with men quite a lot, where men are often pushed into leadership well beyond their maturity. Mm-hmm. And so the second they become a leader, they then feel like, oh, I better just project kind of some kind of status or growth or health or, you know, whatever is holiness. And they don't, they actually kind of think I have to blind myself to the truth about what actually is going on. And, and you know, that doesn't mean you do the opposite, right? That doesn't mean you're just kind of leaking all over the place and you're like showing your people how much of a failure you are. But with God, no, no, we need to constantly bring the truth before God because he knows. And, and you know, this is, you know, one of the kind of revolutions for, for me with prayer was the realization of how Christian prayer differs from all other religions in in several ways, but in one really important way. Usually we think of prayer like, oh, every religion prays, right? Everyone, but, right. but for Christians, prayer is utterly different. It's an entirely different thing. And what makes prayer so different for Christians is that we never start praying. We enter prayer. Mm. And what that means is when before you utter a word, the Son and the Spirit are already praying for you, through you, and from within you. We're told the Holy Spirit groans with groanings too deep for words in your heart, interceding for you before God. The, 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 the Son is our great high priest who we're told always lives to intercede for us. So before you say a word, God is already praying for you, and you're simply kind of entering into their prayers. I mean, this is part of what it means to pray in someone else's name. Like, praying in the name of Jesus isn't simply ending your prayers in the name of Jesus. Now, it probably includes that, but that, like, you could pray in your own name the whole time (laughs) and then end in the name of Jesus. But by entering their prayers, you're you're trusting that everything that is needed to be prayed, that they're already lifting before the Father. And so, if, if God's hearing the groans of the Spirit, who's praying for all your brokenness, all your sin, all, and then your prayers are very like, hey, God, things are great. <laughs> and yeah. there's this real fantasy behind it. There's this, there's this dissonance. And, and so, there's a real freedom to, to, to know that God has already opened all of this. And I'm already, he died for me in my sins, not in my goodness. So I don't have to somehow generate goodness for him to hear me. I don't need to kind of placate him. 
And so that, that, that provides, I think, a real freedom for us in prayer that particularly as leaders, we need to be able to enter into. What it, I mean, again, a lot of the people listening to this are, uh, are leaders of something. And just to think that, that, that even the things that we don't know to pray for in the things that we lead, God is already interceding on our behalf through Jesus Christ. What a great reminder is mm-hmm. that then we don't have to think of every little detail, but we're, in, as you put it, entering in the prayer. We're joining God in that prayer. That's, yeah. I suppose that's even the, the emphasis of, of uh, uh, praying and, and uh, thy will be done is my will can get me in trouble all the time. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, as the, as the great theologian Garth Brooks once saying, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers, which, by the way, is a song about an ex-girlfriend from high school he bumps into. She knows he wrote that song. I mean, that's hurtful. I, you ever, I, nobody ever thinks about the ex-girlfriend that he's super glad he never got with. I mean, anyhow, that's a, I digress. But, but uh, to, you know, the, to the point, there are many times where we pray for things and then later when the thing that we asked to happen didn't happen, mm-hmm. there's another prayer, which is thank you, God, that you didn't get totally. what I wanted. But yep. going back to joining God in prayer, I, I, to me, it's the whole thing is I read your book. I felt liberated. Mm-hmm. I felt like, okay, I can do this. And even mm-hmm. just, being honest with God of God, I'm not really in the mood to talk, but I really want to be, even though I don't want to be. That changed my um, Bible study life. And I know a pastor isn't supposed to say they weren't really interested in reading the Bible, but early in ministry, I just remember thinking, this is not a good thing. I'm not terribly excited <laughs> about reading this thing, and uh-oh, that's not good. So my first thing was, Lord, give me a real hunger and thirst, like daily to spend time with you and your word. And he answered that prayer. I think those are the kind of prayers he's okay with. He likes those. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think of those kind of prayers like, God, give me a, a thirst to be in prayer with you. I bet he does it. I think he likes those prayers. Mm-hmm. It's hard to imagine him going, nah, <laughs> nah, yeah. I'm not terribly interested in Hey, Small Group Network family, Jason Banzoff here, Group Talk producer, and I interrupt this episode of Leadership Journey to talk to you about huddles. The purpose of huddles is to connect small group point people together at least once per quarter to build relationships, to find encouragement, and to share ideas and resources. We hope that nobody stands alone because we are better together. In other words, think of it as a small group for small group point people. You can go to smallgroupnetwork.com forward slash huddles to join a huddle. And if you can't find one near you, you can start one in your area. Again, make sure you check out smallgroupnetwork.com forward slash huddles. Now back to Leadership Journey. Well, you talked about, uh, you know, some different patterning in prayers. You already mentioned it, praying through the Psalms. And there's, as anyone who reads the scripture knows, there's, boy, there's a lot of different prayer, mm. different Psalms in there. Uh, more than a few of us have prayed the Psalms of perdition over somebody a time or two, you know. Mm. But, but um, you know, how could, let's say, a small group, if someone is leading a small group, how could they use, for instance, the Psalms? as a vehicle to enhance, to, to improve their prayer time together. Do you have any tips for yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, well, no, and what I think is interesting about this is this is, you know, we, we know in Scripture that the early church, they shared psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs together, right? So that it, in, in what would have been probably a little more intimate 
you know, rather than just in a corporate setting, but yeah, in a small group kind of setting, this would have happened. And, you know, I think one of the things, particularly for leaders, you know, leadership is hard in the sense that even when we're praying, we're kind of leading too at the same yeah. time, right? So there's all this, this that we're, we're kind of thinking through these things. And, and one of the ways to do that with a psalm is by praying through a psalm. And I've, I've, I've actually been a part of a group who, um, an organization actually that was really hurt from within by, by leadership. And we knew they didn't be doing it on purpose. We knew, but, but we also knew they were probably making bad decisions and, or, you know, and we prayed, you know, some of these imprecations and it wasn't against them, but it was this crying out to the Lord, Lord, these are our friends. Like these are, these are people we trust. Like what, what, why is this happening? And, and what was so interesting is how the, how, how we were able actually to, to kind of turn towards them in grace because we named the truth through those those words. And so, you know, all sorts of psalms can be used to help give voice to the heart. And I think for a leader, you know, one of the ways to do this, and we have examples of this at the, at the end of the book in the appendix, where maybe you pray a line from a psalm. Um, I'm, I'm right now kind of stuck in Psalm 25. There's just something about it that I've just kind of, I, I, I just kind of keep going back. I just love that psalm. Um, and I, I find it a real hopeful psalm because he's constantly grounding everything in what God has done. Um, but at one point in the psalm, he says, you know, Lord, forgive me the sins of my youth and my transgressions. And, and he goes on and says, and forgive me my guilt for it is great. And just the kind of realization, well, at that point, if I'm leading a group in that, I might pause and I might actually say, but Lord, my guilt still hangs over me. Lord, I still feel my guilt. Lord, it's so great that it bears me, but it's according to your steadfast love, according to your kindness, according to your, you know, so I might actually in that time help people's pause say, we're not just repeating the words of the Psalms, but these words are actually helping us offer our hearts to the Lord. I remember probably the, the most powerful church service my church ever went through, um, the church I'm currently at, was when our pastor's nephew was killed in a car crash. Mm-hmm. And just the whole thing, just horrible. And the pastor the next week led the service as a lament. And, you know, laments are interesting because laments refuse, laments refuse fantasy. So they're very realistic. And they also refuse to put evil on God's doorstep. God doesn't do evil. And so we still can name evil, evil. We have a very high view of God's sovereignty in the world, but but God doesn't do evil. And so you're you're naming evil as evil. This is not the way the world is supposed to be. And and yet you're putting your trust in the Lord. And, and, you know, I I think the temptation is to think we need to not see it like that. We just need to get excited. We need to be happy. We need to be, it's like, a lot, lots of people are shutting themselves down from the truth of their hearts and they're not being honest because somewhere they've picked up, God can't handle the truth of this real brokenness I have. And so as leaders, we need to use those Psalms to help open those things up. Well, I mean, if we believe that the scriptures are inspired, they teach us they're inspired, then using the scriptures as they stand, mm-hmm. boy, that's powerful. I mean, mm. to, I, you lament. I like how you put that. It's an acknowledgement that there is evil and God didn't bring it. You're not putting it on his doorstep, but you are acknowledging real grief, real sorrow over mm-hmm. a situation. 
and uh, and using the Psalms, I, I kind of made light of Psalms of perdition. But there is a place to say, God, deal with this person. I totally. can't. Yeah, I'm yeah. not going to lash out at them. I'm not going to seek revenge against them. But Lord, would you bring your justice to bear? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I like how you did it in the book. And as you mentioned, you know, you it might even be that you read a line from the scriptures, mm-hmm. from the Psalms, and then you just stop on that and you you muse on that. I um, during the pandemic, I started. Uh, I grew up uh, Baptist and Lutheran. It was an interesting juxtaposition, <laughs> and uh, so I grew up being told that uh, you know you don't need a catechism. And then in the other group, I was memorizing Luther small. But so during the pandemic, I reacquainted myself with some of the old creeds, and the Nicene Creed, mm-hmm. the Apostles' Creed, and mem- committed them to memory, and uh, would fall asleep at night praying through the Nicene Creed, which mm-hmm. is a creed about God and His yeah, provision. Yeah. And there was something very settling about that, I found, mm. using the words of the history of the church in my own soul. And I would never have thought about, oh, use a creed as an instrument of prayer. But there is something about using, using that which uh, is apart from us that has some heft to it mm-hmm. to, to really uh, give um, almost handholds, almost like it's, it's trail markers. Yeah. It says you're heading down the, the, the right path. Mm. So if a, if a small group leader is, and you're just kind of giving some coaching, a small group leader goes, we're stuck. I mean, we do. We, I mean, our prayer time is pretty much praying about health concerns and, you know, the same old, same old. How could a, what would you, how could you coach a small group leader to truly upgrade their prayer time, to do something different with it that would, um, maybe root them a little bit more deeply in their relationship with God and one another. Is there any, any counsel you'd give them? Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes it is just as simple as bringing in a different form. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been, a, I've been in a lot, a lot of small groups where does anyone have any prayer requests? And of course it's silence. And it, it feels like when I teach a yeah. class and I ask, are there any questions? It's just silence, mm-hmm. you know, or inevitably the same person every week, you know? And, yeah, that's right. Um, and, you know, one way I've seen this, and we actually talk about this in the book that I've fallen in love with is that, I mean, this is what we do. So I have, there's an executive committee that runs the Institute I'm a part of. And every other week we get together and we have this laundry list of things that need to get done. And when I first came here, I was looking at this list being like, oh, this is going to be a long meeting. We have a lot to do. And my, my co-author, John, who's also my mentor, John Co. He's like, well, let's, let's spend some time. So we, we spent first some time meditating on John 15. It's like, okay, I'll do that. Okay. Let's spend some time in prayer. Well, we're like an hour and some into this meeting. And I'm like, we got the, stuff the to list do. is so long. And, yeah, yeah, right. and, and his approach always has been, and I've come to love this, that, you know, that, that list, you know, at the end of the day, none of those things are that important c- compared to what we're doing here in prayer. And, but what we do is we, we go around, instead of asking for prayer from one another, we, we go around and we lift up what what burdens are on our hearts and the rest of the time we are are kind of bringing those before the lord together and so it's interesting because like the way i get to hear about someone's husband having cancer is in that that prayer time the way i hear about someone's daughter-in-law and their struggles the way i hear about and and in, so instead of just talking about them one another I, i'm actually kind of hearing this and and lifting this to the lord with them and that that has been it it's one of those times when that has become a pr- very profound way of our community together um and and it's not just kind of keeping tabs on one another but it's it's with them with the lord we we are sharing life together 
And that has been uh, uh, really profound. Um, we, we share in the book a prayer we call the, the prayer of recollection. Mm-hmm. And this can be done in groups as well. I, I've seen this, I mean, you can kind of tweak it a little bit for group use, but just as a way to kind of say, um, and maybe it's just a one-off kind of a deal where you say, you know, this time we're going to do something a little different. Let's, and re- recollection is to recollect yourself around the truth. So, so you're kind of taking all this disparate stuff, the kind of ways that our lives kind of toss us to and fro by the waves. And, and you're saying, well, who are we really? And you just have some moments in there of just saying, you know, for the next couple of minutes, I'm just going to just, just lay aside, you know, as Paul would put it, put off the old. Like, let's lay aside all of these things. And, and then let's put on the truth. Let's remember who we are. And, and I think, you know, particularly in our day and age, particularly in the political sphere we're in, particularly in the post-pandemic world, we're in, like there's all sorts of things that kind of create these layers of burden on us that we just need to lay aside and remember we are children of the father like that is who we are and and we actually need to practice that in prayer and we need to name the truth and then this is where watchfulness comes in again we need to name when when i put off something and my heart doesn't want to i have to be very careful i have to really think about that like well whoa that was interesting like i had a hard time putting that down or maybe for more of us we might realize I have a really hard time putting that on. Mm-hmm. Like I might say I'm a child of the father, but, but I actually have, a, it doesn't fit quite right. Like I try to put it on, but there's other things that say, no, 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 no. There's, there's something more true of you deep down. And, and we really need to attend to those sorts of things. And I think is, you know, the, the, for many, you know, the trick is leaders, I think. I think there's, you know, one of the oldest tricks in the book, as it were, for leadership. And I learned this from the Puritans, actually, was if you know your soul and you know your, your own temptations, you kind of know everyone else as well. Mm. And so as we kind of practice this individual, that actually is what will allow us to help navigate how we can lead others into this. Because we can then just say, I mean, if, whenever I talk about my struggles in prayer, I am, I am at my most relatable to other human beings. Yeah. <laughs> like when yeah. I talk about falling asleep in prayer, everyone's like, I've never been to a place where I talk about my mind wandering. Everyone's like, what is this guy talking about? Like, yeah, right. <laughs> everyone knows. And so, yeah, as I, as I kind of unpack these things myself, as I struggle with these things myself, even as I fail at them, that actually is a task of leadership, right? Because now I can, I can speak meaningfully into those things. And I can be really charitable with those people that come to me and say, well, I just, I, prayer's a nightmare for me. I close my eyes. I fall asleep. My mind wanders. I can go, yeah. Mm-hmm. Praise God! Yes. Yeah. At least you're with Him. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, there's so much in there. One of the as you were describing the very first thing a small group could do together of, of instead of doing prayer request time, just open up the format. If I understood you, mm-hmm. and hey, we're going to have a moment. It'll last as long as we need to, and pray the matters that are on your heart, and. Uh, I, I'm just picturing the small group leader who's just frustrated that their prayer time just is droning on and on about all manner of prayer requests. And sometimes you get those groups too, where people are like, they just have the need to talk. It's not mm-hmm. like they really care. They're just like, Hey, prayer request time. I'm talking. Mm-hmm. So if you not call their bluff, but you let them demonstrate how much this is near and dear to their heart, they will pray about it. And if they, yeah, don't utter any prayer about it. You just freed up about maybe 20 minutes of your smaller time. <laughs> yeah. You're not praying about things that they don't truly care about. But. Yeah. 
Or I think, yeah, in those times, what's really fascinating is when they do pray, but they pray about something totally different than the other Mm -hmm. stuff they wanted to talk about. And you begin to see like, well, wow, there there are actually deeper things there Mm -hmm. that maybe your talking was actually hiding (laughs) Um, that we we actually need to know. And now we can actually mourn with those who mourn and we rejoice with those who rejoice and meet, meet them where they really are. There's some truth in that. I could picture uh, a little more honesty if everybody closed their eyes. Like I mentioned, mm-hmm. I grew up Baptist and Lutheran into my Baptist church when the preacher wanted to get some commitment. It was important that nobody know they were making the commitment. It was anonymous in the church. Close your <laughs> yeah, eyes, yeah. lower your head when nobody's looking. We're going to find out if you're committed to Christ. Raise your hand, but put it down quickly before anyone peeks. So I peeked a lot. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Be honest, every now and then that preacher got up there and said he saw a hand, and I didn't see no hands. So, must have been a hand in the heart. Well, Kyle, I you know I can't thank you enough for sharing your wisdom and all this. Uh, if you if something was said that uh, uh, engages you at a deeper level, you can get Kyle's book, Where Prayer Becomes Real: How Honesty with God Transforms Your Soul. Kyle, you're a very fine writer, and uh, I think uh, you know I was looking at your other. Uh, books, but the the way of the dragon or the way of the lamb that's probably going to be that might be my uh, that might be my next one just off the title alone that sounds intriguing I don't know I can guess what it might be about but I kind of like just the title of that thing so that's awesome so uh, Kyle Strobel's been our guest today he's a seminary professor at Talbot Theological Seminary which is the seminary that has a little connection there with Biola in uh, Los Angeles, and uh, we have been blessed by having him with us. Kyle, thanks so much for being on the leadership journey today. Thanks so much, Bill. So good to be with you. Thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically. Also, if you enjoy this program, please take a few minutes to give us a positive rating on iTunes so that other small group point people can find us more easily. We encourage you to visit our website at smallgroupnetwork.com to access our library of free resources, connect to a huddle with other small group ministry leaders in your area, read our blog articles, or join us on our Facebook group. Don't forget to use the hashtag SGNet when engaging with your social media channels. Thank you for your support.